Hello and welcome. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you've once again reached the Two Beers Please podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a crazy week uh, in the world uh, of sports and of life. Uh, so we're happy that you join us here at the end of it because uh, I, I I definitely know that's <laughs> accurate. It's been it's been crazy, and uh, so we our, our thoughts are out for you for those of you who are feeling a little, little uh, worn out. I know I'm feeling worn out, and uh, I, I know that uh, that Matt kind of feels the same way. So we're we're all here together. You know, we're not. You know, we're human. No one's 100 percent all the time. Uh, and- I, feel like we're, I feel like everyone's always worn out at this time of the year, though. Like, I mean, certainly some lots of other circumstances adding to it this time around. But like, middle of January is just kind. Of, you're kind of just like, uh, uh. right. Exactly, because it's like, oh, the month is ending, and and am I where I need to be? Of course not. There's a pandemic, uh, but <laughs> it's still cold out. Things are just like things are just like move like starting to move slowly too. So you're just like, oh yeah, like back to back to the day to day. It's a it's a trying time, right? It's a trying time. Luckily for us, we've got sports, and oh boy, has it been a week of sports. Uh, both of our teams heavily involved in that action, both positively and very, very negatively. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and uh, lots of trading action going on that we'll also talk about. And yeah, but uh, as we always do, we start with plugging the sites. <clears throat> Go follow us on the Facebook page, Two Beers Please Podcast. Go follow us on the Twitter page, the number 2BP underscore podcast, and on the Instagram page, Two beers, please. Underscore podcast spells like it sounds. We're actually going to be undergoing some changes on the Instagram page to give you more of a roundup of the action rather than too much of the day to day. Been been go uh, putting feelers out there for how people take in the Instagram page, and I think Matt covers a lot of it in Twitter. So I think I think uh, Instagram can be a little more a little more specific. So that's what's going to happen there. And that'll be fun to watch. And I can have a little more fun with graphics, which is something I want to do anyway. Can't do that if I'm covering 80 sports. Now, can I? <laughs> that's that's true. That's tough. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's the best part about this thing is we just constantly experiment and mix it up. And we're like, hey, let's try this or that or whatever. So it's an enjoyable process when you don't. When there's no like, like there's a little, we could change everything about how we do this tomorrow. And, you know, it would really be no consequences, which is a pretty fun environment to be in. Exactly. I mean, I I think and I hope that one day we will have to reel it back in terms of our artistic liberties. But for now, we're doing whatever we want. And you guys have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can be good when somebody's telling you what to do. Usually, usually there's a little bit more of a uh, monetary gain when there's at least one person telling you what to do. So I, you know, be okay with that. Yeah, balance as as always, uh, balance. Uh, but actually, you know, speaking of of you know, deal with it and our listeners and and I, I just want to. That was the wrong segue. What I'm I want to say is thank you uh, to those of you who listened to last week's ending episode. It was actually the most listened to episode that we've had so far. Um, just fantastic show out. I, I was I was very pleased to see that. Uh, and also your support uh, for my buddy Matthew here. So thank you so much uh, for listening to the last episode, most listened to episode so far, and looking to build on that. And uh, yeah, excited about it. Yeah, certainly. Very, very appreciative to everybody who tuned in. And for whatever reason you did, it, it means a lot to, to both of us. And certainly in an episode that we both kind of put out there in honor of Liz, that you know makes it that that much more special that people are listening in and tuning in because it was an episode that certainly meant, I think more to both of us than, than probably any that we've really posted so far. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And now it is our job to keep you interested. So let's get going. <laughs> um, let's start. And stay this. there. Tell a few Don't more people, food. you know, right. Exactly. Why there? Right. Stop there. That's what I'm saying. How are we feeling today, Matthew though? How are we, how are we feeling? I, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm always, I'm always pretty even keel, but uh, it's been a, a busy and trying last week, of course, and just kind of coming down from all that. So been a little, it's like getting off a seven day 
ride at Walt Disney World, and, and now I'm just like getting my bearings again on how normal life goes. So, uh, but yeah, you know, that's that's something I was thinking about too. Like, I love being a runner because, like, or even just you know having like a workout in your day to day like schedule because like coming out of a whirlwind of of a daily schedule that's not normal, like having that to like hang your hat on and be like, all right, well, I got to like do that. Like, just inherently kind of helps me get back into routine. So. Another benefit of running. Hell yeah, running. Keep it up. Running's great. And uh, I know it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not someone who's like, running's easy. It's not. It's terrible at the beginning. I get that. Um, I ran yesterday and was in agony the entire time. I was like, I hate this. But then once I was done, I was like, hell yeah. Right. It. It's just, you know what it is? It, it, for some reason, it's the movement of legs, even more than lifting. I mean, you know, obviously lifting, you can get that energy too. But for me, it's always been, you know, with everything going on in the world and in my personal life, I feel like I, I've adopted this mantra of like, is there anything you can do about it? Yes or no. And can you accept it? Yes or no. And, and you know, most of the time in life, is there anything you can do about it? If there's a yes, do it. If there's a no, then you drop it. And can you accept it in life? The answer always has to be yes, because that's how life is. So find a way to get that yes in your life. And then when you get the run, that is something that is yours. Like regardless of how much it sucks, regardless of how much you're in agony, like those miles, like that effort, there it's just you. It's you and your body that you're in getting that getting that uh, success on. So that's something you can control and, and, and a way to get yourself to accept where you're at. So it always helps me with that. Yeah, I I agree. I refer to literally to my running as like my therapy sessions because that's no matter and like no matter what it is, good, bad, or whatever, it's just like a a place like you said. You kind of control your time and put some music on and challenge yourself, or just like take it eat. Like it, it's therapeutic. Uh, and there's just and there's like literal science that after <laughs> going on a run, you will release endorphins and be happier. So you know, there's. It's not even just the rant like things of being like, oh yeah, it's just like a time where I really like listening to music. Like there is physical evidence that you feel better after doing it. So hard to argue with that. Right. And here on the Two Beers Please podcast, we want to remind you, we do support the science. All right, let's move down to the local pub. What are we drinking today, Matthew? Uh, well, I have to cover the Washington game later, so I'm drinking a Heineken. There you go. Okay. In honor, in honor of the QB that I will get into later, but I thought I'd really, it was an impressive performance. So, you know, in and Heineken, I, I like, I don't drink Heineken that frequently, but I always, when I drink it, I always enjoy it. It's not my favorite beer. I'll be honest. I think it's pretty average, but. Hey, you know what? It's, it does, it's, it does, it's good enough, right? Who am I to complain? Enough. I've got a beer in my hand. Right. You got a beer in your hand and you're talking about, a phenomenal QB performance. So what else can you what else can you want from life? Yeah, I I am back on my on my Brooklyn Lager uh, status now that I'm back in New York City. Thought I'd be I'd be true to my Brooklyn Lager bitch status. So that's where I'm at. Um, back to being a BK bitch. That's what it's what's up, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> Why? Why did you go that far with it? You know what? I was I just, on board. I was on board until you refer to yourself as a BK. I don't think I want anyone to be a BK bitch unless it's in reference to Burger King. And then that is actually then I, really then I could respect it. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> um, I just love those whoppers. All right, let's move forward. It's time to start to get into sports. We've talked enough about ourselves. Let's warm it up with a shout out for the week. I will get us started. My shout out for the week. And obviously we're releasing this on a Saturday. So we're going to be talking about a lot of things in the week. You know, a lot going on this week. So we had one episode towards the end. Get over it. You're here now. My shout out for the week is from last weekend's performances. It is Lamar Jackson getting his first postseason win over the Titans. You know, he's endured so much so much flack in his young career despite winning an MVP despite you know doing things quarterbacks have legend like historically not done and somehow got labeled like a postseason choker and it just doesn't make any sense to me I'm glad that that is now out of the way he not only does he win he wins against the team that labeled him that in the first place he wins against a team that really disrespected his team earlier in the season 
You know, he's a quarterback truly like no other. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, obviously the best quarterback in the league, but you can't say he is as dynamic in terms of, of, of just how much of a dual threat he is as Lamar Jackson. And yeah, I'm just happy that he got that duck off his back. But do you, I, I have a question though with Lamar Jackson. Do you agree uh, with the leaving the field situation that happened after the game? You know how they didn't shake hands because of the disrespect they felt the Titans show to them? Um, I don't know. I felt like, I mean, I feel like the rate, like the Ravens kind of, I guess, I guess I can't really hold it against them because like the Titans did it to them all fairs, you know, in love and war. I thought it was kind of like, whatever, like, you, you know, that the Titans were just kind of playing the game and stuff of, of disrespect. Like it wasn't anything like truly personal as much as just like, that's kind of the, the other part of, of football of like wanting to be like, yeah, we dominated you. We took you out. So I felt a little like that was a little petty by the Ravens, but uh, it was nice to see Lamar get that victory. And like you said, like the most, he's the most unique quarterback I think we've ever seen. The first quarterback to have back-to-back thousand yard rushing seasons uh, to go along with, with the passing ability he has. Um, and I always thought that just like the, the playoff kind of stuff against him was was pretty unfair. Like I know he was owned too, but um, it was, it was far more than just Lamar's performances in both those games. Uh, that was, you know, the reason that the Ravens lost, like it wasn't like he just personally was horrible while everybody else had a great game. Um, the, the, the entire team in both those losses were, was pretty weak, but I suppose that's the double-edged sword of being a, a quarterback. Like you're probably going to get a little more praise than you deserve, but you're probably going to get a little more flack and stuff than you deserve. But nice to see him get, get the victory. Yeah, a little more flacco, as one might say. Uh, <laughs> all right, let me stop talking. You give your shout out for the week. <laughs> you don't, Joe Flacco feels like it was like a million years ago, but also like only it like wasn't that long ago that he was a really good quarterback, which is insane. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go to the to land of the footy over to the pond. Uh, Wayne Rooney is my shout out for the week. One of the all time great Manchester United and. English players has officially hung up his boots. He kind of was moving into that player slash manager role already over at Derby County, but he is officially retired from his playing career, focusing now just on the managerial duties over there at Derby. Highest goal scorer in Manchester United and English history. You know, the, the team had really been handed to him when I first became a Manchester United fan, like Ronaldo had just been sold. Uh, Tevez was gone. So he was like the first United player I really fell in love with and, some remarkable goals in his time with Everton United, even DC United. There's that great, like he runs the guy down, slide tackle, gets the, you know, halfway half across the pitch cross in for a game winning goal. Like just a guy that could, could electrify the play in a small bit of time. And uh, I think, you know, one of the best players in his generation. So hope he replicates the success that he's had in his playing career and on the, at the managerial level for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, He's got a certain passion behind him that you want in a manager. So in that case, I think he's probably in the right space. Now, how he does with the rest of it, obviously starting with Derby County, like how are you going to – it's hard to predict. But, you know, what a career. Uh, and he was playing – he was a player manager. He was like a FIFA character this last year, which was so funny to me. I didn't even know that that was actually like a thing. Like people are playing. I know. It's, <laughs> it's incredible crazy. to me. <clears throat> yeah i mean it, hell i guess bill russell did it back in the uh i think it might have been 70s 60s or, or early 70s he got like his last two rings with the celtics as player coach but that was you know 50 years ago so yeah no but uh definitely king wayne in all intents for all intents and purposes so i uh we're excited to see where he goes from here obviously seeing so many of our favorite players become managers now it's definitely making me feel old um, I don't know about I you. I love how that happens, though, in soccer. Like, as successful as Wayne Rooney is, like, if that just doesn't happen that much in American sports. Like, if you're successful enough, you're just like, nah, I think I'm, I think I'm good. Like, ex-players, of course, become managers, but it's not – or coaches, but it's not, like, the top of the top. Like, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think any of us expect them to be head coaches in the same way that Pirlo and Chavi, Iniesta, Lampard – how I'll have. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like a soccer-specific thing. I, I definitely agree with you there. All right, it's Homer hour. It's the hour we talk about our favorite teams. 
Uh, why don't we start good news first? So why don't you go, and then I'll and I'll follow you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly we'll talk about the pack a little bit later, but you know, for a weekend that they didn't play, it was pretty pretty good fallings as, as far as the game went for them, and and where the uh, the games are going to be now, the divisional round, getting the Rams. But Manchester United, probably the best news of the week for me. First in the Premier League, Woo! took a 71st minute cross and really nice finish from Pogba. Uh, the boys, 39 points through 17 matches, three-point lead over Liverpool. Certainly, you know, that game wasn't one that you're really going to point to to be like, ah, the tide's been turned. But I think in a, you know, in a championship sort of run, anytime, you, you know, you you get a league title or even, you know, finished at the top of the league, those are the matches sometimes that you have to win just on the road against maybe a lesser side, but a side that's just going to pack it in and say, all right, try and find one goal against us in 90 minutes. We don't, we don't care if we get one point here. Like we're, we're content with that. that. And, um, you know, being able to grind that out and find that winner, I think was, was still a big kind of moment for Man U because there's been a lot of times over the last few years where they wouldn't have found that goal or even worse, probably would have given up the goal and, you know, walked away with no points. So Big game with with Liverpool on Sunday, you know, a chance to to truly make a statement in the sense of being title contender. I mean, even as a fan, I'm still, you know, hopeful, but not. I still think Liverpool and City are better than us. But you know, Sunday, I'd be happy with a tie, but like a win, I think would really make me be like, damn, we might we might be able to do this. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh... Yes, it's definitely when you're when you're when you're not used to your team being on top, and then all of a sudden they are. It's it it definitely becomes a it becomes a thing that you're having. an imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. You're like, if I have hope, this it's all going to fall apart immediately. Right. So, we su- we suck if we're actually good. Like, yeah. God forbid. Fan imposter syndrome. That's a real thing. I'm glad you. Let, we want to bring some awareness to this real this real disease that that is yeah. spreading this fan imposter syndrome. Like who doesn't have it? I'm trying to think. What are the who fan? What are the, like the few fan bases that don't have fan imposter syndrome? Alabama, um, I don't. Probably Duke basketball ever. Like it's few, hey, few and far between. Now. Yeah, I mean, they, but, but if they, but as soon as like they would be good, you know, they would still be like, oh yeah, we're really good. That's true. They would never question if they were good. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so let me let me go over. Bruins got a win last night. First to start off the season, they got a shootout win over the Devils, so good for the Bruins. The Celtics in a lot of COVID trouble, so we'll see how that goes. But they are currently uh, win percentage-wise because there's a lot of different like postponements, but currently top of the East after a slow start. So good that Boston's getting back in it. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum really showing out and showing up. And then there's Bayern Munich. Oh boy, when I talk Bayern Munich, it's usually for such bragging reasons. But they have uh, they have truly disappointed no, me. No, you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm gonna eat crow. I I'm a true fan. I don't just talk about the good times. I will talk about the bad. And boy, has it been bad. We lose an ugly game to Gladbach, uh, three to two. And uh, we were up in that game, which I was not like, I always think we go down and we go up. And of course, the game we go up, we lose. And if that wasn't bad enough, you know, we got a we got a lucky break uh, because Leipzig didn't get the win. So we were still top. But if that wasn't bad enough in our round of 32 matchup in the Dave Papel call, something that we are the record holders in um, a chance at the treble again, obviously in the mind, it's really hard to do. So it was not something that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're not going to do that. But definitely the cup of all places in the round of 32. It's not where you expect Bayern to fall. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, They were up against Holstein Kiel, a second league team, and they just didn't have the legs under them. They didn't have the inspiration. The attack was awful. The defense was as weak as ever. They go to penalties with a team that was just hanging on by a thread. They couldn't find the goal. And when you go to penalties, my friends, it's never the team that should win that wins. It's never the team that should win that wins. And that's what the, and you know what? Well-deserved because if you get there, you deserve to win. If you can get there, you deserve to win. And penalties is like, it is truly the most 50, like I understand there's different goalkeepers better at PK, all that. It is the most 50, 50 thing in sports. So like, if you're the lesser side, like, yeah, like that is, that should be your goal because then it's who, who hell knows what's going to happen. Right. And it's not like Byron missed on it. I mean, Byron missed one. And but they went to they they each made five straight 
Like they were Holstein Kiel went toe to toe with the Bayern uh, uh, penalty takers and scored past Manuel Neuer six different times. And uh, very disappointed with Manuel Neuer and goal and penalties. He didn't go the right way once, which I know is hard to say against a keeper, but against the best keeper in the world, I will say that. And yeah, lots of soul searching to do at Bayern now. You know, nothing. The cup is out of place, obviously the least important of the three. So it, it's not the end of the world. It, it is super disappointing. And the one thing I'll say, Matthew, is like Bayern's a team, doesn't matter what you did last year. If, if Bayern now goes out, it loses to Freiburg, for example, this weekend, which at this point, they definitely can. If they lose to Freiburg, I would say Hansi Flick is on the hot seat. And and especially because how good Leipzig is doing, how good Dortmund is now coming back to do. Damn. I, I wouldn't Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I because that's the thing. Hansi Flick came in as an as as an interim coach. He's not someone that they went out and, and bought for a specific reason. He was doing well, so he got the trust. And you know who will take that trust immediately away? Byron, because they they don't care about what you did. They care about results, and that's and that's always been the history. And the, and so, it's certainly what have you done for me lately, job? Oh, absolutely! Like there's no love lost there. They will fire him as as quick as they can if if it keeps going this bad. Because that's how they do it. They don't fix the problem. They fire the coach, and that's why our team has sometimes been in and out. And. Uh, you know, I, well, we'll see. I, I think there's still definitely something to be said about like the games being condensed. That they just look tired out there from minute one. So it, it's definitely something that you know you need to put into perspective, and it's, it's definitely something they can get back. Like I said, the league isn't lost. The Champions League is still there, but Bayern's in trouble. We'll see if they can get out of it. I, I certainly hope so. I was disgusted with the game I saw. Uh, for now, all right. Let's do some wind sprints. Quick cover of the big news. Matt already mentioned it once, the Wayne Rooney news. So I will just go over the other two that I have in my stock here. Urban Meyer is the new head coach of the Jaguars. And uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala is the new head coach of the Jets. Who do you think will do better, Matthew, between these head coaching uh, hires? Uh, it's Especially in the short term, I'm, I'm interested in. It's uh oh that's a tough one. I kind of I kind of think Urban just because I mean both both these uh franchises just have you know it's it's not going to be one of those head coaching jobs where like there there's kind of a quick fix here or there. Like there there kind of needs to be a new uh overhaul of of just like identity and personality and I kind of think Robert Sala in the long term is better for that and could really like establish like a, just a new sort of standard at New York, but I, as, I think as far as like quick fix results, I still think Urban, and I still think Urban's going to take Trevor Lawrence. Like I, I know we can get into the whole he recruited Justin Fields, Ohio State connection, and everything, but uh, I think it'd be kind of similar to like what happened with um, when Luka Doncic, when the Slovenian head coach was was the, hired as the Suns coach, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's going to go number one," but like. It, if we can we can think there's all these special connections, but at the end of the day, uh, like Trevor Lawrence is going to win out, and we've seen before teams in the NFL with a you know a young quarterback if they're able to adjust quickly, like young quarterbacks are seemingly be, being able to do more and more frequently um, with the cap space they have. Like I, I think I think Urban could could get it done quick much more quickly than than Salah. Yeah, do you think Salah tries to hang on to Sam Darnold, or do you think Salah tries to veer pace? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I would think get rid of him just because I think like I I really like Sam Darnold, but I just think I mean we've talked about it before. I think you and both both I both you and I believe that like Sam Darnold could can still be a successful quarterback. I think he would like he just needs to be in a different location. And I think Salah coming in and needing to make that change, I, I would think he would say, all right, let's let's move on from top to bottom. Right. It's almost like I agree. Just because it, it's not anything against Sam Darnold. It, it's just Sam Darnold is unfortunately the face of how bad the Jets have been the last three years. So he he is he is synonymous with that image. And if they want to change that image, they can't pretend that that he was wasn't there, you know, in the middle of it. It's kind of it's kind of what I was thinking the Eagles would do, but obviously they went the other direction and fired their coach and kept the quarterback, which Yeah. That my, threw that one through me. Yeah, I mean I 
I already know who has the most pressure on them next year. It's definitely Carson Wentz. He better be the best quarterback in the league. I'm sorry. I, like I just think too, like Doug Peterson's gonna get a head coaching job in the next two years, maybe the year. And I think the Eagles are gonna come to regret this big time. Like I know they had a tough season this year. He, he had some questionable decision making. They also had a lot of tough breaks. And like he he did a lot of good things in Philly. Like I think he's a good good head coach. So. I think they're going to come to regret firing him. Right. I, I agree. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, the big, the big, big news of the week, uh, even bigger than Urban Meyer getting hired, uh, James Harden is now in Brooklyn. He was traded to the Nets in a blockbuster deal that said – Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? <laughs> there he is. He was uh, he was traded the Nets in a blockbuster deal that sent Victor Oladipo to the Rockets, Karis Levert to the Pacers, and Jared Allen to the Cavs. Lots of different big pieces moving a lot of different places. How strong is this move, especially given that the the situation with Kyrie Irving is is very questionable? It's not. I'm not saying that he's. You know, we'll see what happens. I definitely think Stephen A. Smith was being a little over the top when he was talking about retiring. Uh, but I, I I do. But I do believe that we've seen Kyrie do this. It's not like this is his first time. And kind of like Antonio Brown, I be- I'll believe it when I see it, you know? So I don't have any faith in Kyrie Irving. But let's say, take Kyrie out of the picture. How strong do you think KD and Harden can be together, um, even with Kyrie kind of being all over the place? Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with you. The Kyrie thing is, I, it's not even something you can really rely on. Um, and the guy is an incredible player. And, and apparently this move has piqued his interest even more. I guess I don't really know. I, I I get it in the sense of like, yeah, now you have probably, I would argue, the most talented like big three we've ever seen. I, I love Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron, but I think all three of these guys, even just where they're at in their career, are a more formidable big three. Um, so I, I get being excited about that part, but like, it's not like Brooklyn wasn't already in the position. Like Brooklyn was still, I think even just the betting favorite to win the East. Now they are so even more, but like, I, I don't know why this is the, the big change of like, now we're going to be like, Oh yeah. Now he's really like, they were already kind of pointed to, to win. Why does this change it that much? Um, maybe just because he enjoys having another big personality there, but yeah, it's kind of a good contingent contingency plan because if Kyrie does pull what Kyrie's done more than, than one, once or twice, um, this is still a, a hell of a one-two. Like I would think, I would think LeBron AD probably still a better one-two punch, but Harden and Durant would be right behind them. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you're already spoiled where you could lose Kyrie and still have, you know, an incredible offensive firepower and, you know, would, you know, get a little more cap space to kind of build a team around them as well. So it's going to be uh, an interesting thing to watch, not even just basketball-wise because it's going to take a, a bit for these guys to adjust together, but all three of them are such big personalities and and not even just like big, but like can be a little <laughs> – all of them have had their you know, things with the media and just public image and stuff. So all three of them together in Brooklyn could cause some – bad drama i think it's a league of villains over there really at, at different times i mean obviously Kyrie throughout his career uh making uh, statements and doing actions like this james harden in the last couple months and obviously kevin durant with the golden state move um it's we really on the suicide squad the suicide squad there you go the suicide squad out of brooklyn but you know what it's fun that's what i'm excited about it's gonna be so much fun regardless of what happens and i i think that's what I it's want. It's gonna work for at least a bit, and in, and like even if it's a week of them all clicking, it's they're gonna be so much fun to watch. You're right. Yeah, it is, and you know, if, you know, I, you're right. They're the favorite in the East. There's no team that's defensively strong enough where I'm like, oh, they could handle that offense. You, my only question is against the Lakers. You know, you have AD, LeBron. You know, James Harden's definitely a, and KD definitely the better scoring pair, but. Uh, you know, I have to remember James Harden doesn't play defense, so it it does. And their defense, like I think, I I would be surprised if this team won it all this year because I think I think the entire roster needs restructuring now. Like this, it was a really good supporting cast for two guys and and Durant and Kyrie, but now with those three, I think you need as many old veteran and just like straight defensive players as you can get. So I think there's going to have to be some you know overhaul 
with the supporting cast in the next offseason. But I, 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 I'd be surprised if they still were able to like figure it out and, and win the title this year. Right, exactly. Because I think what Joe Harris is projected to start next to those two. So that's that's you have one defender and three players. That's that's like that's not what you want. Um, but yeah, I, it's going to be fun to watch. Karis Levert gets a gets a chance kind of with Malcolm Brogdon in, in Indiana. That's going to be fun to watch. And Victor Oladipo teaming up with John Wall and Demarcus Cousins also going to be fun. Christian Wood is doing really great. I think the Rockets are sneaky, sneaky West Side. I really do. I I think now that that drama is out of their head, they can. They have, and they got that chip on their shoulder. I'm excited to see what happens in Houston. I really am. I really am. I completely agree. I think I like, as you can just tell too, like that was when the fallout came with Harden was, was when his team was starting to be like, yeah, we don't want this guy around. He's making everything bad. Like that, that's when the team was like, okay, we can't forget two-year contract. We got to get rid of this guy. And and I agree. Like, I think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to want to show what they can do. And they've got a talented roster. Like, Victor Oladipo and John Wall have, of course, been injured quite a bit over the last couple of years. But at healthy, like that's that's a lot of speed coming at you at the guard positions. Yeah, I agree. And it'll be just fun to watch. Uh, we'll talk more basketball next week. But uh, this week we are focusing on football because we're in playoff mode. And uh, we just finished the college football playoffs. And we'll go over that quickly as we enter into the aperitif of the podcast a little little appetizer for you here all right so we had the college football playoff final obviously this monday between alabama and ohio state obviously justin fields throwing six touchdowns to beat clemson to get there alabama demolishing notre dame to get there questions about whether whether ohio state could really pull this one off and uh those questions were answered pretty convincingly as alabama beat ohio state 52 to 24 Mac Jones had five touchdowns over 450 yards. Najee Harris, two touchdowns on the ground. Devonta Smith, 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half before injuring his finger. Otherwise, he would have had like 600 damn yards. He was ridiculous. He is the Slim Reaper that we love, and we're going to keep calling him that through the pros. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway from this game? I mean... Was it? Is this the best offense we've ever seen? Was Ohio State disappointing? What did you see? Well, I think I mean Alabama was going to win this game no matter what. I think that was shown. But Ohio State's biggest kind of weapon against them, besides the you know obviously Justin Fields, but was going to be a running game and Trey Sermon. So Trey Sermon getting one carry and then getting injured completely changed the trajectory of this game. Um, like I said, I still think Alabama would have won, but I don't think it would have been 52 to 24. I think we would have had a, a tightly, a more tightly contested game for at least the first few quarters. Um, but losing him just, it, it just broke the Buckeyes. And they got, I mean, their backup did good and their running game was still kind of there, but not, not the explosiveness and uh, ability of, of Trey Sermon. So that, that just threw them off. But I don't think Ohio State's defense was ever going to stop him because, I mean, that was going to be the other thing with Trey Sermon, not even so much of moving the ball, but keeping Alabama's offense off the field because they were unstoppable. I don't uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to choose between LSU's offense last year and this one. They're so neck and neck. Uh, I, I kind of think I go LSU's because I think I think Burroughs better than Mac Jones. Um, Najee Harris might be a little better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then Receiver wise, I don't, I don't think you can even like really choose. It's pretty even with between Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and stuff. So I, I think, I think I still go best uh, offense LSU. But you know, probably my biggest thing from this game is at, Nick Saban is without a doubt the the greatest college football coach of all time. Seven national championships, which is the most of all time. Six at Alabama, one back at LSU. Um, and those six at Alabama coming over the last 12 seasons, like that's, that's utter dominance. One, like one every two years, you're taking home a national title. That's ridiculous. If you told me that's what the Hawkeyes were doing in the Big Ten or even the Big Ten West, I would probably be pumped that they're taking home national titles. Uh, he's one of five coaches now to ever coach three Heisman winners. No coaches coached four. So another, uh, you know, mile marker that I'm sure he'll achieve just to, to have it and, and really signify how dominant he is. But yeah, like a, a incredible season for Alabama. They were the best team end in end to end. And, and Nick Saban is, he's, he's the goat. Yeah, I agree. I, he is the goat. And 
And to win it in this time where everything was falling apart around them just shows how much of the best team they were. You know what I mean? It, it just shows. And we've been saying it all along. Like, we've been questioning, does it count? You know, is there a, is there an asterisk? And again, here's another example of the best team won. And the best team finds a way to win no matter what the situation is. So I, I think that they deserved it. And it was very dominant. Obviously, the train sermon injury, different game if he doesn't go out. But you're right. I agree with you. It's definitely not... It wouldn't Even with him, yeah, and like it did, it, it felt kind of like last year's national championship where the first couple drives, Clemson and LSU were, you know, trading punches, and that's how this one began. But even when that was going on, like you could just tell, you're like, this just seems a little easier for Alabama and just a little harder for Ohio State. And like right from the start, like you could just tell, like in the long run, this is those punches from Bama are going to start weighing just a little bit more, and Ohio State's going to be slowing down even more right exactly okay so uh which what do you think about these two teams going into next year obviously both losing some key players uh and and like let's talk about alabama uh their 2017 recruiting class which has led them the past four years has included Najee harris alex leatherwood dylan moses jerry judy tua tunga vailoa jedrick wills xavier mckinney devonta smith henry ruggs the third mac jones so of that, that class is now completely gone for the first time. So how do you think, do you think they, do you think that Nick Saban has done enough recruiting to make up for that class? Not that obviously you think they have, but that class is legendary, that 2017 class. I mean, that class, you know, ridiculous. So do you think next year, how do you see, see Alabama doing? How do you think, see Ohio State doing? Well, I think, you know, both these teams, really the question starts at quarterback. Um, I think Alabama, Alabama is going to reload for the most part at just every position because that's just what they do. Like, I, I, I agree with you. I think the 2017 recruiting class is something special, but it's, they get number one recruiting classes every single year. So it's like, ah, oh, dang, we just lost like 10 pros. Okay. It's okay. 11 are coming up. So it, don't have any worry. And I think, you know, quarterback wise for them, there's not even that much of a question. I think everyone expects it to be Bryce Young, who will be a sophomore next year. People thought he might be the starting quarterback this year, but Mac Jones beat him out. So already kind of some high expectations for him. So they kind of have their answer. I'm not sure as much about the Ohio State uh, depth chart. I don't know about Justin Fields' backup. But, you know, they've who, – who are the last, like, four starting quarterbacks? It's like Fields, Dwayne Haskins, JT Barrett, Cardell Jones. They've – They've been doing pretty good. They had so many good ones. They told Joe Burrow, just go win a national championship in Heisman down in uh, Louisiana. Like, I I don't – these teams just recruit so, so well and coach so well that even when they lose, you know, a top line of talent, they just refill it just like that. So I I expect them both to still be top five teams. And if you had to ask me right now, I I would expect them to probably be in the the college football playoff again. Okay, there you go. I uh, and one last question. Obviously, Alabama with their recruiting power and with Nick Saban still at the helm, you expect them to be number one. So I'm not going to ask about Alabama. But you know, the big question is how much better is Ohio State than Clemson take out the quarterback play? So you think that Ohio State can um, match up with Clemson again next year? We we know Clemson's backup is good. We saw him play already. So uh, how do you think those two match up against each other? Who would you take two? Who would you take three? I, I don't even know. And I would maybe even put Clemson one just because you do we do know more about DJ there at quarterback and, and the quarterback position just means so much. So I wouldn't even be surprised or, or, you know, if I really kind of thought about it, I, I would maybe put Clemson number one. Um, but I, I just think it's – I just think those one, two, three just look already like so, so good. And, uh, and Clemson will bring back a lot more weapons that we know of as well. So I, I kind of think Clemson probably would be one and then probably Bama two, Ohio State three, but it's it's they're just they're all so good and maybe even uh, Ohio State doesn't deserve this as much because they haven't won quite as many national championships as Alabama and Clemson in the last few years. But they're all so good that it's almost just like a rotating door of just like, all right, us, you know, our team's the best this year. But hopefully, you know, we uh, get a season like last year and a team like LSU comes out of nowhere. Right, exactly. I I see it now. The top three: Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and out of the woodwork, the Iowa Hawkeyes at number four. 
Uh, oh, I lose, man. I would lose my crap. All right. Anyway, let's move on to hockey. I really hope for your guys' sake that doesn't happen because then we're really not going to shut up. We really, we I'm already nervous about March. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do if, if football is yeah. to that level. Whew. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, let's move my on. My heart won't take it. My heart won't take it. It really won't. It'll be rough. Let's move on to a sport we haven't talked about in a while. And it's because it's been in the offseason. It is back underway after Tuesday's um, kind of tip-off in the on, on the ice. Uh, the NHL back in business. Hockey is back. The Tampa Bay Lightning looking to retain their title. Lots of other great teams looking to challenge. Uh, yeah, and a lot of good games already. We saw some of the stars balling out already. Who do you give me? Give me two favorites for you. Who do you think? Who do you see kind of either challenging the Lightning, or do you think the Lightning are are the favorite? Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm loving the NHL season. I'm four and zero on my NHL bets. I just I can't I can't seem to pick anything wrong. I think I finally found my. I think ignorance is bliss, and my lack of of really knowing. And too much about the sport, I just like you know take it at face value, and we're off to a hot start. So, NHL season, keep it up. But it'll be an interesting year, you know, with the league too being it's being split into four divisions, and then games only being played between those divisional opponents. So the playoffs are gonna almost have more of like a college football feel, or you know, just college feel to it because not all these these teams won't have played each other. Where you know most of the time they'll play each other at least once and have some sense of of their opponent in the playoffs. But uh, my two teams are – I got the Flyers. The Flyers, who they got the the number one seed in the playoffs last year after winning the round-robin games. And, and, you know, at the end of the year, they just seemed to start clicking, found their groove as a group there towards the end of the season. Carter Hart and goal is, is ready to take command of that spot, even at the young age of 23. You got Sean Couturier and, and Claude Giroux, who's out there on the left wing, that give them a strong attack. And I think just the defense overall is getting better. So I think it's just a team that, that knows themselves well and – We'll kind of take that momentum that they finished with last year into this season. And then I'm going with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, only third season last year. They went back to the Western Conference Finals before getting blown out by the Stars 4-1. to one. Uh, You know, and the start of this franchise has been strong, but they still made a lot of changes this offseason, which I think was, you know, a sign of, of how competitive they want to stay. Um, they added def- defenseman Alex Pietrangelo, um, Max Piercoretti, and Mark Stone lead the outside of that attack. And... We know how important the goalie is, Robin Leonard. I think he could be due for a big year for the Knights in between uh, the posts. So my favorites are the Flyers and, and the Vegas Golden Knights, Jan. I love that. Yeah, the Flyers, uh, disappointing last season, but they got the they definitely have the talent to to go far. And I know a lot of Philly fans who could use a team to root for after 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 the Eagles season. Uh, my favorites, I, I, I agree definitely with one of them, the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, they have been the best team in the West since they came into the league. And uh, barring a kind of surprise loss to a really exciting star side, they will continue to do so. I won't be surprised if they make a run to the cup again, you know, with Pacioretty, Marcheseau, Carlson, Riley Smith. And then you got Flurry and Leonard in goal. You basically have two starting goalies that you can switch off between no matter what happens. Uh, it makes them very formidable. They won their first game 5-2 against the Anaheim Ducks, showing that they are well and truly ready for the season. And then the other one, I, I still got to go Lightning. You know, they lose Nikita Kucherov to injury for the season, which is going to hurt them. I don't know how, how it's going to hurt them yet. It will definitely hurt them. And I, you know, but at the same time, they didn't win the Stanley Cup because Nikita Kucherov took over. They won because they had so much firepower, and they continue to have that firepower and so I wouldn't be surprised if they're the best team of the East, make a returning run at the Stanley Cup final. And when you're the champion, you, you get that credit. You get that uh, kind of, you get that credit. So I, I'm going to go with the Lightning and the Golden Knights. Would love to see that final. Uh, but there's a lot of other teams that could be exciting. And that's why we're going to go through dark horses now. My dark horses, easy for me. The Edmonton Oilers. And this is simple, Matthew. They've got two of the best players in the league. There's no other team in the NHL that has two players like the Edmonton Oilers have and Leon Dreisaitl, who won them MVP last year, and Connor McDavid. I mean, you've got to go with the talent when it comes to hockey. No one has players like that. And just to prove it to you, in their first game, um, the Oilers won. Dreisaitl had four assists. McDavid, three goals and one assist. There you go. Two stars. And they're already ready and hungry. They want to show that they're 
that they can win together. And boy, those that's dangerous together for sure. So the Edmonton Oilers. And the other one is, is the Colorado Avalanche. You know, they were looking good last season already. Uh, they're a very young team. So that's the one thing you have against them. But Nate McKinnon, Landeskog, Burakovsky, Mikko Rantanen, they're young. They're hungry. They want to show that the Vegas Knights don't have a stranglehold over the West. The Dallas Stars showed that they're beatable. They want to be the team that beats them next. So it's the Oilers and the Avalanche for me. I love the Oilers. I was I was considering putting the Oilers as my dark horse, but kind of think I was like I think they're too good to even consider a dark horse, especially with like you said the talent they have. It's kind of unmatchable in the NHL. My dark horses. I got the uh, the New York Islanders. Ah. Islanders. I kind of I equate them to the Atletico Madrid of the NHL. Just they played tight defense to stifle your scoring. They got good goalkeeping. Then they take their offensive chances effectively. They don't really have the star power of some of the teams, but like this is just going to be a team that's going to be consistent all year long and, and actually had pretty high-powering uh, game yes, last night against the Rangers. So good sign so far from their offense. And then I, I, I'm going with the Nashville Predators. I'm putting faith in, in Philip Frostberg to emerge as a big-time goal scorer to go with the team's terrific defense. You know, the Nashville struggled to, to score all of last year. So I mean, Forsberg's going to have to take that step or else some of the new, some of the new young guys are going to have to mature pretty quickly to help shore up that, those offensive difficulties. But I think if they can have a consistent offense with their defense, I think Nashville could have a really good year. Always love it. I mean, it's not been too long since the Predators won it all. So it's definitely something that you can expect to see. It's a good organization down in Nashville. Uh, okay. So MVP call, who, who are you seeing uh, as an early MV? Obviously so early to tell, uh, but an early MVP candidate, it obviously won't be Nikita Kucherov. So who do you who do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I probably would have gone with Nikita Kucherov over the last four years, three hundred ninety eight points scored. Um, and but that trails one person, and that's Connor McDavid, and that's who I'm going with. I, I like like I said earlier, I kind of I do agree with you. I think this is the kind of the year where Edmonton takes that next step as true contenders for the Cup. And uh, I, I think I think they're honestly a favorite, and I think it's because of, of Connor McDavid leading the way. Expectations for this guy have has been have have been as high as any player in the last couple of decades since he's come out. Like they, they've expected him to be a LeBron James of sorts, and um, he's had the stats so far. They just haven't really had the playoff success. But I think he and the team seem poised to to take that next step and, and challenge for the crown. And I think a MVP will uh, accompany that challenge. Right, and I definitely agree with you. It was won by Leon Dreisaitl last year, and this year his teammate's going to win it from him. And uh, <laughs> he's a generational t- – I, I brought it right here. A generational player whose time has come. It was just a matter of time. He Absolutely. Had some, he's had some difficulties with some injuries and stuff like that, but he scored three goals and had assists in his first game already. He is he is midseason form, and that is dangerous for anybody. And you know what? I'm excited for Edmonton because when's the last time we had a Canadian champion? We've had St. Louis win. We've had Boston win. We've had Tampa Bay win. We've had Nashville win. I mean, Canada wants a tra- Canada wants a champion again because it's a ho- it's a hockey's been a, a long time, right? And so I, I'm sure that they are. That been a more frequent NBA champion there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's not what they want to hear. If you're a Canadian sports fan, you don't want to hear that. What? I mean, no, because it's hockey. Sport, eh? What's the sport? Eh? Oh, Kawhi. 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 They'll, they'll probably take it. But it is like – it's a sport that has a lot of NHL teams. So it's yeah. uh, it's surprising. It has been a while. Yeah, and, it, and it's like good NHL teams. You know, the Maple Leafs and the Jets and, and, and the Canadian – you know, good teams. So I, I definitely think that it's it's about time. Okay, and, and just a last little bit before uh, we move on sports uh, – who do you see emerging as an early like breakout star? Like who do you think is like a young guy maybe hasn't gotten his due yet. That's going to break out this season. Well, lots of talk about the uh, New York Rangers offense and the, the young offensive talent that they have on that team. But I'm going to go with Adam Fox. Who's a defenseman for him. Uh, I think he's, you know, this year going to kind of take that next step and really show that he's going to be the leader for this defense for years to come um, and accompany kind of the young offensive talent that they have. So I got Adam Fox from the Rangers as my early breakout star. Love that. Matt is sticking with the New York teams uh, in his in his analysis, and I love that pride and that and that uh, dedication. Uh, I'm going to go – answer, honestly, Yannick. <laughs> That's how I'm the cards go. fall. That's how the cards fall. 
There you go. Uh, I'm going to go across the border to uh, Ottawa, and I'm going to go with Brady t- uh, Tchuk, uh the left wing uh, for the Senators. He had the highest goal rate at 32.6 last season, and uh, Dadanoff joins his line, which is only going to help his contribution rate. He's 21 years old, but he's already showing that he can catch up to his brother Matthew real quick and become a goal threat uh, better than any. So I got Brady Tkachuk from the Senators. I don't want to have to say that name a lot, so maybe I hope he doesn't do well. <laughs> but uh, no, there but I lots think of challenging names in hockey. That's really true. I like uh, I like it. But yeah, it'll it'll help us. It'll help us out for sure. In, in, in a, there you go. All right. Well, let's move on to some football uh, and let's talk about top soccer uh, that happened in the week and top soccer that you can look forward to. Uh, this is pretty simple. We've talked about it a lot, but I'll go over it again. Obviously, Bayern dumped out of the German Cup by second league team, second league team Holstein Kiel on penalties uh, on the back of a tough league loss. You know, where do they go now is the question. Uh, we'll see. They have a game this weekend. I think three losses in a row will show that the sink is ship is sinking. I think a win will automatically put people a little more at ease because Freiburg's a good a good team this season. So we shall see with that. Atletico Madrid, Matthew, beat Sevilla 2-0, goals by Angel Correa and Saul Neguiz, and they move four points clear with two games in hand. Is the title already decided? I mean, <laughs> is it? I, I don't know. They they seriously they have such a strong like a strong grip grip on it right now that it feels and they and they're just such a consistent team that it feels like they I'd be surprised if they let it go. They right. certainly, if they if they get caught, it's like they're done. Like they're not. I don't see them like fighting back because I think that would just be like, how did we let this crumble? And in, in when it was just literally in our hands. But I, yeah, I think I think Atletico is going to be there after the next thirty two matches they play. Right, with how inconsistent twenty two, <laughs> whatever. Um, the Barcelona Real Madrid game. Uh, the teams, the only teams that I can see catching them just because of who they are. And they've been super consistent. I don't think Atletico is going to drop a lot of points that are going to matter against other teams. Uh, I, I mean, like, they might drop points, but I think Barcelona and Real Madrid will also drop points. So I don't think it's going to really matter. So I think they're going to have to lose basically all of those games head-to-head in order for someone to catch them. They're going to have to lose against Barcelona and Real Madrid for the remaining remainder of the season. So, and I don't see that happening. I think, I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, anything could happen. It's only four points, you know, let's say two wins. And at, at most it's 10 points and 10 points is still doable, but I'm calling it at this point. I think Atletico Madrid is, has it. I mean, it, it seems like it for sure. I agree. I agree. I, and I love to, I love to see it. Love to see it. You love to see it. All right, and in another game in the Bundesliga, you know, Bayern loses uh, Bayern loses to Gladbach, which everybody kind of saw could happen because Gladbach is a good team that is a rival of Bayern's. And in the other game, the bigger one almost, the Dortmund versus Leipzig game. Leipzig, the title um, kind of contenders with Bayern, they could have taken the league, and, and, and Dortmund kind of reeling after a lot of weird performances and not looking like themselves. And, of course, what do they do? They come out here and they dominate Dortmund. They win three to one. Erling Haaland looks like the striker he's always been with the brace. Jaden Sancho grabs a good goal as well. Now they're top. Now they're top four again. They kind of make their their title presence known. And in the Bundesliga, the top four Bayern uh, to the fourth place are five points of one another. And Bayern look vulnerable. I think it's going to be a really really fun race to the finish. And uh, if Bayern's not careful, they won't even finish second with how good these other teams are doing. So I think that uh, I, I, I'm real nervous. I, it's exciting, but I'm, I'm definitely nervous. Uh, but what a, I mean, what a performance by Dortmund, you know, because people were counting them out like a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, we've seen that before from Dortmund where they're just they are very they're just they, they're a streaky club. And they're they can be real real hot sometimes, and other times look like they have no idea what they're doing, even with all the talent that they have. Because this is still a, a talented side. It's not like it's one of those teams that, like there's Dortmund teams where sometimes you know they'll sell three or four players in one season, and they'll come back looking a little depleted. But that isn't really the case with this team. And uh, they showed they showed what I think are their true colors in the match against Leipzig. I think this is I think this is far more the Dortmund team of, of who they really are. Than the one that's been struggling. Obviously, doesn't really matter 
who who you are or, or what you think your team is if the, if the results don't follow. But I think um, you know this is this is the kind of game that you can really say, all right, yeah, we we've kind of figured this out. We know what we're doing here, and and push on to keep on your you know playing in form. And and like I said, they're five five points off Bayern. They're not completely out, and Bayern right now that that defense is is certainly a little worrisome. Yeah, it's uh, every I'm I'm taking every point as it comes now. I'm not I'm not expecting anything. I truly after this last one, I'm not expecting anything. I I, uh, I my faith needs to be restored a little bit before I I feel like cheering them on. Um, no, but I, I I I what I what I think is that with the defense, you know, you know, and I hate to say this because I I I have loved the success of the last year. But I think Hansi Flick and the way that he plays his team got lucky last year. I really do. I think the way that he plays defense, you know, the way that they high press, I think it worked. On, But, like, it was one of those things that, like, out of 100 times, it worked, the one. And the other 99, I just don't think it would have. I think they're so exploitable. And, and you see it. You saw it with that second league team. Any team, even a second league team, can beat them. Any team. And, and basically, their offense has to be firing every single game. And when you have situations like this, where they're playing a lot of games, sometimes the offense is tired, sometimes people are missing, their offense can't dominate every game, but the defense is always going to be the weaker one. So I think they have to find a new way of doing things, especially they don't have the defensive players to cover in the back anymore. It's not like they have Virgil van Dyke back there to really shore up the defense. They have okay defenders they have a defenders that like should be in a 4-4-2 not like a they're always one 2-1-1 one, and it's like they're they're not the kind of defenders that can handle that so i think there's a lot of change coming uh to munich i think too i think the like because i thought this benefited bayern in the champions league last year of like the scheduling and stuff but now i kind of think the the run of games and and just the weird scheduling because of covid and you know seasons being on and off i think it is finally kind of getting to them and just kind of dragging them out. So I do, I think it's something that's like manageable and, and eight, you, like you should be able to kind of figure out and get through. But I do think it's finally, I mean, that's, it's just a lot of soccer and, and not a lot of time and, and big time soccer. Like you're not playing, you know, little friendlies, like these have been massive cup runs and, and everything. So I think the team certainly seems a little, not all there, you know? Yeah. And I mean, look at the top five leagues, right? Like no no disrespect to Manchester United, but like Liverpool's not at the top of the Premier League, Paris Saint Germain not at the top of the French league, Juventus not at the top of the Italian league, Barcelona Real Madrid not at the top of the La Liga, Bayern barely on the top of Bundesliga. It's the effect of the COVID is really showing. I think that the effect of the shortened schedule is showing across all five leagues is an excuse. Absolutely not. You know, big big teams need to figure that out. And like we said with the other sports, the best because yeah, Man- Manchester United was playing. As long as most of those other teams, longer even. Yeah, no, no. Again, not a, not an excuse, and and definitely not you know similar across all leagues as it has been. But I, I definitely think that uh, I, there's nothing to be said for like that. All five t- normal leaders are underneath, but I mean that can also be they've been on top for so long, and it's and it's time for a new uh, time for a new era. That's how football works. So it, it's that's why it's exciting. I think I think it's I think it's I think the reasons are different from each team. And even like Bayern's still on the top. I just think I, I just think Bayern's like because Bayern had that break before the Champions League and then there like wasn't really that much of a break for them after. Like I just think it's finally getting to them where I think just like the weird sort of play hit other teams maybe earlier. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but there's a lot of good games to look forward to this weekend, so let's go through them. There's the Supercopa final between Barcelona and Real Madrid. No, not Real Madrid, Athletic Club, because the Athletic Club beat Real Madrid in the semifinals. Obviously, the Supercopa, not like a huge big deal, but now that Athletic Club beat Real Madrid, it's 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 an interesting game between Barcelona and Athletic Club. Can Bilbao, you know, make it a second uh, shock win and win the Supercopa? Will be interesting to see. Uh, in the EPL, uh, we talked about it. Liverpool versus Manchester United. It's one versus two. Can the Red Devils show they are legit and keep off Klopp and the Reds? A win puts Manchester United six points clear of the defending champs. So that would be huge. We shall see. 
Uh, in the Premier League women's division, Manchester United plays Chelsea at the top of the Premier League table. Christian Press and Tobin Heath obviously playing for Manchester United. So there we go there, and that'll be exciting. And finally, Inter Milan versus Juventus in the Serie A. A great Serie A matchup awaits. Inter want the crown. They're three points off of their rivals, AC Milan. Juventus lurking four points behind Inter. A win for Inter keeps them competitive with their rivals, but a loss puts them six points below AC Milan, possibly, and gives Juventus a way back into the race, which they absolutely do not want. So a really big game with lots of implications. What are you looking more forward to the most? All right, let me guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be watching the Italian action. No, I there's one game I care about, and it's on Sunday at I think like 10 a.m. I don't even know. I'm too nervous yeah. to look at the time. I'm there's pumped. I, I like. I'm hopeful. I kind of think Liverpool is gonna want to try and come out and and show they're the best team in the league, and I think Liverpool still is better than us. So that terrifies me. I would be like. You shouldn't say this as a team that's like, oh, we're out to win the title, but I don't give a shit. Um, I would be fine with a tie. Like, if we can get a one point here at Liverpool, still keep a three-point lead advantage over them, cool. Like, that, I'm content with that. So, obviously, I would love a win, but I, I will be happy with a tie. Yeah, I agree. I think anything other than a loss is great for you guys. I mean, honestly, that's the only thing that would be bad. A tie would be great because we got the lead right now. Like we don't have to worry about like making up points. Like we're good. You're good. You're packing it in. That's all you need. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about soccer and it's been fun talking about the start of hockey uh, and as well as the college football playoff and uh, switch over to our next episode to hear wildcard weekend in divisional round talk. Oh, 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 oh,